Talgo of Foudrin Chapter 3 The Skurg King Follow me, the Skurg commanded. Talgo did as he was told, but maintained his distance from the creature, with his sword in his hands. They exited the cave and climbed up a steep hill leading east. The moon was full tonight, and the sky bared no cloud, allowing Talgo to see his surroundings clearly. The wind continued to roar, chilling him through his thin and dirty clothes. The Skurg had a peculiar way of moving, It crept forward in the darkness with its back arched, holding the torch out in front of it and checking back now and then to see that Talgo was still following. It seemed to move quicker than its limbs moved, looking more like a snake than something on two legs, and it made very little noise as it did so. Talgo thought that these creatures must have been very good at sneaking up on the things they hunted. On the people they hunted. As they traversed the dark hills, Talgo began to wonder exactly where this beast and its king lived. He couldn't imagine a series of small cottages with gardens and fences and pathways, such as Foudrin. It was possible that they lived in a series of caves, like the one this Skurg had found him in. He had no desire to see such a place, and it sometimes during their journey considered turning and fleeing. But remembering the Skurg's rhyming threat, and thinking about how quickly and quietly it could move, decided against the idea. Maybe he could send his sword through its stomach, just like he'd done so easily to the blacksmith. Only, he was weary, and his arms grew ever heavier with the weight of the sword. I should have taken something smaller. In any case, the Skurg was in all likelihood a much better fighter than Talgo. If he was to attack, it would get the better of him. And then it would go in search of his bones, gnawing into them while Talgo still breathed. The thought made Talgo feel ill again. How far is it to your king? Talgo asked. Not far, not far, the Skurg called back. Over this hill and up one more, then you shall see the Skurg king's door. The Skurg didn't turn its face to tell Talgo this, but he could hear the menacing grin on its face. He began to hate its rhyming way of speaking, If he would have to endure more of it, he believed it may drive him to madness. Perhaps that was the intent. He thought that these vile things probably didn't speak to each other in this way, only to the people they intended on eating. It was unsettling. The creature was true to its words. When the pair arrived at the top of the second hill, Talgo beheld a great valley, surrounded by the low hills. There were torches lit everywhere, illuminating a series of ramshackle huts that the Skurgs must have lived in. At the end of the settlement, furthest from Talgo and the Skurg, a large building made of wood stood tall and grandiose. This must have been where the king dwelled. The Skurg turned to Talgo with a hideous grin. Welcome, little one, to Grakash. 
a name as foul as the place looks, Talgo thought. You will wait here, the Skurg commanded. Give me your sword. Talgo bravely shook his head. If you wish me to linger in these hills unarmed, you must be mad. I will keep my sword. The Skurg simply stood there as Talgo suddenly heard a strange sound coming from all around him. Focusing his eyes into the darkness, he realised to his dismay that it was the sound of several Skurgs bending bows, each of them aimed at Talgo. Give up your sword, little man, shouted one of them. Do as we say, you have no plan. Another foul voice came. Talgo lowered his sword slowly and let it fall to the ground. All around him, the mad faces of the Skurgs watched, some of them grinning, others appearing to snarl. The archers kept their bows bent, arrows pointing towards Talgo's heart. One Skurg, taller than most of the others, stepped forward. Bind him, he growled. Two Skurgs lurched forwards and forced Talgo onto his knees before binding his hands in front of him with thick rope. The Skurg who had found Talgo in the cave began conversing with the tall one who had ordered Talgo's hands bound. Their speech was a strange sound of grumbling mixed with clicking sounds. Talgo assumed they were talking about him and wondered whether they were talking about how best to distribute his bones. He shuddered at the thought. Finally, the group of Skurgs began leading Talgo towards Grakash. Talgo thought that there were around ten Skurgs altogether, each one as foul-looking as the last. They all had the same strange way of walking, and they all had joyful expressions of glee on their faces. The strange grumbling and clicking continued between all the members of the group, as they led Talgo down the hill and then through Grakash itself. The village was far from beautiful. The torches flaring everywhere shone a light upon the huts that the Skurgs lived in. They were mostly wooden, with seemingly random pieces of steel or cloth covering holes. Some Skurgs sat outside these huts and stared at Talgo as he walked past them. Some of them grinned at him, others scowled. Each one of them made Talgo's stomach lurch. When the group finally arrived at the king's palace, they found it guarded by two more Skurgs. They spoke to two of the Skurgs, escorting Talgo in the Skurg tongue, and then stood aside to allow them to pass. The tall Skurg turned to Talgo. You will come with us now, it said. One of the others shoved Talgo so hard he stumbled forwards, tripping and falling as he did so, to much foul laughter from the group. Talgo was roughly aided to his feet by the tall Skurg and the cave Skurg, who took an arm each and led him into the building. Inside, they found a wide corridor, lit with many more torches. The Skurgs urged Talgo forwards through its dank odour. At the end of the corridor, the tall Skurg knocked three times on a large wooden door. A deep voice boomed from inside. Enter! The Skurgs opened the great door with a creak and led Talgo into a large hall, brightly lit. There was a great square table inside, at which many Skurgs sat with strange items and pieces of parchment. Beyond this was a huge chair, which looked eerily like it was made from bones, which jagged out from every angle. Atop the chair sat a Skurg much larger and fatter than the others, who wore a crown on his head, also made from bones. The Skurg King. The King looked down at Talgo with interest. Well, well. What have we here? Come on in, boy. There's nothing to fear. 
The Skurgs pushed Talgo beyond the large table and in front of the king. They spoke in their own tongue with the king as they did so. What is your name, boy? Talgo's voice shook as he spoke. I... I am Talgo of Faudrin. Faudrin, you say? The king asked. Never heard of Faudrin before. We know of the great cities of Megira and Fremir, and the settlement of Kivur, but never has the name of Faudrin sounded in this hall. Are you lying to me, boy? No, Talgo replied quickly. I swear to you, Faudrin is the village I come from. The king looked down upon Talgo with distaste. My servant also tells me you have a disease? Yes, Talgo said. He could not look at the Skurk King in the eye when he said this. He feared that he would sense his lies. A disease of the bones. I was told I may find a cure in these hills. The Skurgs in the hall erupted with their shrill, terrible laughter. The king grinned. A cruel joke the people of Faldrin have played on you, my boy, the king said. I assume when you discovered what a Skurg's diet is... You may have felt a certain anger towards your people. I have always, Talgo said with no hesitation. Interesting, the king said with a look of deep thought. What do you say to this, Talgo of Faudrin? Why not take a band of my skurks to Faudrin? They could perhaps gain some revenge on your behalf, and in turn we could have our fill of tasty bones. Talgo thought about this. He hated the people of his village, from the teachers to the farmers, his fellow students, and even his own mother and father. For ten years, he had been treated with utter contempt and disdain. But did they really deserve to be eaten alive by a band of skurks? Well, boy, the king urged, do you need some time to think? No, Talgo replied. I can show you the way to my village. The king's grin widened. Excellent. If you please, sire. One of the skurgs sitting at the table stood up. We are due to send a group out on the morrow to Galhalla. Perhaps the boy could prove his loyalty there. Yes, yes, the king said. Boy, do you know of Galhalla? I've heard stories, Talgo said, but I was never sure if they were true. That would depend on the story and who told it, the king said. But if you have heard tales of wizards, then this part is true. Talgo thought about this for a moment. The wizards of Gilhalla really existed, and their magic must be real too. He wondered what kind of magic they could perform. Could they turn people into animals? Could they make themselves invisible? Maybe they could read people's minds. Why are you attacking the wizards? Talgo asked. Why indeed attack the magic breed? The king rhymed. They're a vile people, boy. They keep the secrets of their magic to themselves. They do not share this valuable knowledge with the peoples of this world. And they attack Skurgs on sight, using ignorance for excuse. Talgo hadn't expected a response such as this and had just begun to think of the Skurgs in a different way, when the king once again grinned and added, And of course, their bones will taste all the sweeter than normal beings. 
The comments received raucous cheering and applause from all the other Skurgs in the hall. Many of the Skurgs gathered around the great table, jumped onto it, flinging their arms wildly into the air and knocking down pieces of parchment. The level of noise in the room reached an excited, hideous high. The Skurg King stood up from its throne, its great belly rising and falling with a grotesque bounce. Silence! It roared. The Skurgs immediately quieted. Those who had stood now sat, looking at their king with a nervous eye. The king sat down and looked once more at Talgo. So, boy, if we are to trust you that you will lead my Skurgs to your village, as you say, you will first show your loyalty to me. You will go with the small army I am sending to Galhalla. You will aid them in the cutting down of the wizards, and you will bring them to me so that we may feast upon their sordid bones. Talgo nodded nervously. I agree. Good, the king said. Now take this boy from my sight. Lock him in a cell with little light. Two skurgs grabbed Talgo as soon as the king had finished speaking and led him out of the hall with the eyes of the others following him. They dug their long fingers into his arms, hurting him. In Talgo's experience, he knew that this would leave a bruise. They led him through the great wooden door they had taken him through earlier, but then turned through a different section and up a long flight of stairs. The Skurgs urged Talgo on so quickly up these that he scarce had a chance to lift his feet before finding the next uneven step. He twice tripped but remained upright, the Skurgs gripping onto his arms as hard as ever. At the top of the stairs, they led Talgo through another wooden door. One of the Skurgs turned towards Talgo, his face lurking closer to Talgo's than he'd have liked. For most, this is a place of doom. For us Skurgs, this is our stock room. Many steel cages stood here, attached to the walls. There was enough room only for a man to stand, or sit if he places his legs through the bars. In some of them, men stood rattling at the bars in protest as Talgo and the Skurgs passed them. Let me go, Skurgs, one shouted. Another was more concerned for Talgo. Let him go, he is only a boy. Something about this angered Talgo. He was not accustomed to anyone being on his side, and now that he had left Foudrin and taken matters into his own hands, he did not need anyone to protect him. I would be more concerned with my own plight if I were you, Talgo said. The man made no reply, just looked at Talgo with a shocked expression as he passed with the Skurgs. Even the Skurgs seemed taken aback by Talgo's comments to the prisoner. The Skurgs led Talgo along this long corridor of cages until they arrived at an area with only five cages in sight and only one of them occupied. A skinny man with a long dark beard and hair which reached down to his shoulders sat with his legs dangling on the outside of the cage. His hands held the bars and his head slumped forwards. At first Talgo thought he may have been dead, but as he reached closer, he saw that the man was breathing. He was asleep. One of the Skurgs opened the door of the cage next to the one with the sleeping man and bid Talgo enter, while the other cut the bonds which still held his hands together in front of him. Talgo stepped upwards and into the cage, and the Skurg slammed it shut behind him before locking it. Sweet dreams, no sorrows. See you on the morrow. The Skurg grinned at Talgo through the bars, before the pair of them left him. 
The cage was more uncomfortable and awkward to sleep in than his usual straw corner back home. Talgo eventually found he could sleep by adopting the same position as the man in the cage next to him, and he dreamed of magic. You have been listening to Talgo of Foudrin, a fantasy novella set in the world of Moran by Chris Morris. Come back next week for the next chapter. 